Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you here at the 11.30. As Archie said, my name's Fernando, and I'm on the team here. And today, I want to talk to you about the church, the hope of the world. If you've got your blue Bibles with you, please, let's turn together to page 1094. In the bottom left side, we are going to read from verse 38. The Blue Bible should just be in front of you or behind you. 1094. Bottom left. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you feel far off from God today, this is for you. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Often when I look at the news, I can't help but feel that my heart breaks for for all the things that are going on in our city, in our nation, and in the world right now. And I often, I just feel sometimes powerless to be able to do anything about it. I sometimes feel like there's nothing that I can individually do to make a positive change in the world. But then when I read these verses in the book of Acts, I realize that there is hope, that there is a way that together we can make a difference in our cities, in our nations, and in the world. And it's through the church. This church, the hope of the world. And and church isn't about these beautiful buildings. Church is about the people, followers of Jesus who come together and say, we will be the church. We will be this hope of the world. When I looked at these passages, I found three components that make up this church, the hope of the world. And they are a church that obeys together, a church that stays together, and a church that prays together. The first verse that Luke writes in verse 42 that we're going to look at is the main component of the passages which we read. And in this verse, verse 42, he basically, Luke, the author of Acts, gives the four marks of the church. And later on in those verses, he gives the result of each of those marks. So we're going to go through each of the marks and uh, and then we'll look at the results. Is, Is that okay? Good. So the first mark of the church which Luke writes is, As soon as Peter preached, he says this, verse 42, 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, many in this community, they would have walked with Jesus. Many of them would have walked with the apostles and they would have just been filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that 3,000 people were added. So what's the first thing that this new community does? What's the first thing that this church does? Luke writes, there's a desire. There's almost like a dependence on the word. There's a dependence to follow the teaching. This, this dependence, when you look into it, it was almost like they felt that their life depended on it. Because for many of them, they know that it did. And what's the message? What, what was it that they decided to obey? What was it that they decided to depend on? Well, Peter summarizes it at the beginning of the passage that we read. He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. When Jesus walked along the earth, he preached the message of the, of the kingdom of God and of repentance. And repentance is it's a difficult word. I mean, we don't often use it in our language nowadays. But repentance simply means to change our minds, to think again about the life we're living and about who God is. Why did Jesus say that repentance was so important? Why did Peter say that? Because we cannot truly believe if we do not choose to repent. And when we live outside of God's principles, of his guidelines for life, of, of what the Bible teaches, we live in this thing called sin, and, and sin separates us from God. It destroys our lives, and, and it hurts God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because he didn't want there to be a separation between us and God. Jesus came to die so that you and I could be completely forgiven and have new life. If you're here today, you can receive new life right now, today by receiving Jesus into your heart. And for many years, I lived a life outside of God's principles for my life. I lived a life in complete sin. And I was destroying myself because the world and everything around us tells us that, that freedom comes when we do whatever we want, whenever we want, for as long as we want. But I tried to do that. Don't know if anyone here's ever tried that. Um, it doesn't work out that well. At least it didn't for me. By the age of 17, I, I was in a young offender's prison. I came out of prison, I got heavily involved in drugs, and I was surrounded by all the wrong people. There comes a time when, when sex leaves you more lonely than you ever were before. There comes a time when drugs and alcohol, the high, leaves you lower than you ever were before. There comes a time when deceit and pushing other people out of the way leaves you confused as to who you really are anymore. And when I lived that way, I found that I was quite good at putting masks on. I was quite good at pretending that everything was okay to the people around me because I was just doing what everybody else was doing. But I know that deep, deep, deep down inside, I, I felt that, that, there was, that there must be more to this life that I was living. That life just just couldn't be this empty, this lonely, and really, if I'm honest, this sad. And in one of my lowest moments, when I was crying out deep inside, nobody else knew. I was in this drug house, this drug den, and this, this drug dealer basically came in, and he told me about Jesus. 
and he told me that Jesus loved me and he had a plan for my life. And I thought, that's, that's the hope I've been looking for. When I went to church, they told me about Jesus and, and they told me that, that there was this thing about repentance, that Jesus wanted to give me a new life, but there was also something that I had to do to choose to change my mind and change the way I was thinking about who God was and about the way that I was living. And at first it was so hard because I've gotten so used to doing those things. Those things just became a part of who I was. But I found that as I met Jesus and as I allowed his love to come into my heart, letting go of those things, even though at first it was hard, ultimately was what brought me freedom. Because you and I can only live the lives that God destined us to live. You and I can only live the lives that we were created for when we live obeying Him, when we live following Him, when we live putting Him at the center of our lives. I wonder if there's anyone here today and you just, you just feel the Lord nudging you. Maybe there's an area of your life where you just feel like, actually, I've been taking a part in this, but this is, this is eating me up inside and I, I don't want that anymore. Well, today's the day. You can choose to change your mind about that and know for certain that because of the cross, there's complete forgiveness for you. You can choose today and know for certain that because of the cross, you can have a new life and a new beginning today. There may be some of us here who perhaps you've been to church for a while and the Song of Solomon writes that perhaps you've let a little fox into the vineyard. For some of us, maybe you've let big wolves into the vineyard. <laughs> but but whatever, whatever fox or wolf you've let in, understand that there's grace for you today. There's so much grace because of the cross and there's freedom for you today. Maybe today's the day that God is calling you, however you've come here today, if you're watching online, to say today's the day I choose to give my life completely to Jesus, to put him first in my life. Because that's what this community did. That's what this church did in the book of Acts. They came together and they said, no, we wanna put Jesus first no matter the cost. And what's the result of this community, this church that chose to obey? Well, in, in verse 43, Luke tells us, he writes that an awe, an, like an awe of God came upon every soul. So much so that miracles and signs and wonders were the norm. And there's something that takes place. There's something that happens when a community decides to come together and say, we choose to put Jesus first. We choose to obey. We choose to live in holiness. There's like an awe of God. It sets them apart and it makes us powerful to go out into the world. That's the first component of a church, the hope of the world, a church that obeys together. What's the second component? It's a church that stays together. Luke goes on to write in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. So Peter had preached, 3,000 people were added. Before that, there were probably about 150 or so. And we need to understand that they were all ethnically, linguistically, financially, temperamentally different. Yet, 
despite their differences, because they had been filled with the Spirit, because they had met Jesus, there was this sort of longing and desire for them to be together. And at that time, there weren't these church buildings, so they met in people's homes. Do you think that they disagreed on some things? Do you think that some people got annoyed with some people? But what they knew was this. They knew that what united them was infinitely greater than what divided them. When Luke writes that they broke bread together, is that they took communion. And every day they remembered, no, because of the cross, because of Jesus' body, because of his blood that was shed for us, what unites us in him is infinitely greater than what could ever divide us. The church is a powerful force for good in the world when it's united. And Christian spirituality, it's been said, it's as much dealing with each other as it is dealing with God. Jesus said this, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister who they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. One of the greatest tactics I've found in my own life that the enemy uses to, to try and, and separate the church is that he, he sort of puts us against each other in some way. Uh, and it's sort of like it's easy for us to build up an offense with our brothers and sisters. And as I thought about that, I thought, oh, an offense is quite like a literal fence. So I brought a, I brought a fence to church today. <laughs> and my friend Tunde and Fumi, they're key leaders here at the 1130, are going to help me, help me with this. This is Tunde. Everyone, let's welcome Tunde and Fumi. Thank you, Tunde. Tunde helps lead, leads, leads the seating team here, and so does Fumi. So let's see how we're going to do this. We haven't practiced, so bear with us. Hold this here. Not yet. You're too eager to put up the fence. <laughs> so, so often, sometimes, let's say there's these fence, there, there, there's a potential for us to hold up an offense. And what the enemy does, he wants to separate us and isolate us from one another. So let's say we walk into church one day and that person at the door just doesn't say hello to us. That would never happen here at the 1130, I'm sure, because <laughs> we've got the best team in the world with Tunde at the helm. <laughs> but let's say you walk in and somebody doesn't say hello to us one day. Well, what happens? I put up a little offense. I put up a little fence. And, and, then, and then I walk into church, but then I see that, oh, there's all these groups of people together. Oh, it must be so cliquey in there. Oh, another little offense. Or I walk into church one day, and I, and I just feel, oh, don't they talk too much about X over there? So there's a little offense. I'm a little bit offended. Or I walk into church one day, and oh, don't you feel like they talk too much about Y in that church? Another, another offense. Or, or, or you go into church and, and you were at Connect Group the other day. Oh, the Connect Group, that person, they were supposed to bring the food, they came late. Another little offense. Oh, there wasn't enough food. And, and, then, and then what happens is there's so much, there's, we, we're holding up all these offenses all the time that it's literally like we isolate ourselves from the people around us and the people that we're called to love. And God can't move when we're all isolated and holding up all these fences. And in the church, we're not supposed to take cult take part in council culture. We're not supposed to take part in fence culture even. <laughs> We're supposed to take part in forgiveness culture. So we just have to lay down these offenses. Thank you so much, Tunde. Oh. 
These fences just block God from doing anything in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. I wonder if there's anyone here who you've had a fence up, either with somebody inside the church or outside the church, a little, a little fence that you just feel like is, is disconnecting you. I wanna encourage you to choose to lay down that fence today. Choose to forgive. We all make mistakes. I make so, so, so many mistakes. Let's choose to forgive and lay down those fences so that we can be a community that stays together. Because what happens with a community that chooses to stay together in spite of their differences? Well, Luke tells us, this is another result in verse 44 and 45. He says this, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. When the church is together, it's a powerful, powerful, powerful force for good in our cities, our nation, and the world. From 2020 to 2023, Love Your Neighbor, the social transformation arm of our church at HTB, did the following. And this is with churches across the nation. They partnered with every church, so many churches across the nation from different denominations. They partnered together and we did the following. They gave out 24.5 million meals to those who were hungry. They supported 12.6 thousand people with employment training. They helped 10,000 people with debt advice. And they reached over 1 million people through our Love Christmas campaign. That's the church. That's the church. That's the church which is the hope of the world. But it's a church that stays together. So the first two components are a church that obeys together, it's a church that stays together, and the final component is a church that prays together. Let's go back to verse 42. So Luke writes this. They devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, a church that obeys together, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, a church that stays together, and to prayer, a church that prays together. There was something irresistible about the culture of this New Testament community. They were living in, in obedience to the words of Jesus. They were living in community in spite of their differences and they were compelled to pray. Because what happens when the Spirit fills us is that the Spirit compels us to pray. In fact, every great move of God in the history of the world, starting in the book of Acts, was composed of these three things. Every great move of God, every revival was always put together by this by a deep longing for holiness and obedience. It was marked by a community that stuck together, but it was always undergirded by prayer. And when I looked at the book of Acts, I thought, well, how did they pray? What did those prayers actually look like? So I was gonna draw a volcano, but then I drew one in the earlier service and they said it was rubbish. So somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody kindly drew a better one for me. I, I, when, when, I, when, when I was looking at the book of Acts, I saw that the main thing that they prayed for, so the thing that took up most of this volcano here at the bottom the, where the fire was, was, was kind of building up was that they prayed for God to move in the whole world. I guess that prayer would have been Jesus' prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. But what's interesting about how they prayed for the world was the most common prayer in the book of Acts was a prayer for boldness because they wanted God to move in the world around them, but they knew that if God was gonna move, it had to start with them. It had to start with me. Two weeks ago, I went to 
the cinema with the connect group that I go to, and we went to watch this film called The Jesus Revolution. It was about the Jesus movement that took place in California in about the 70s, where loads of hippies became Christians, and there was a massive revival. And after the cinema, my friends and I, we were so excited as to what had happened, and we were praying, and we were saying, oh, what would it look like for God to do that in our city? What would it look like for God to do that in London? And then some mental person in my connect group said, well, why doesn't he start with us? Let's pray for boldness right now and let's go tell everybody about Jesus. I was terrified that he'd come up with such a <laughs> horrific idea. But, but anyway, I thought, well, I better, I better you know, pray. So we, 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 got to, we, we as a connect group after the cinema just started, we, we prayed for boldness, we, we, we prayed for God to do the same thing and we, and we went out onto the streets of Oxford Street out after the cinema, we went to Regent Street Cinema and it was incredible. We saw three people come to know Jesus. We saw people being healed. We saw words being given that were specifically for the people that we had just met. Actually, one of the words before we went out was for somebody who had a black jumper and a black hat. And as some of the team were walking, a person in a black hat and a black jumper approached them and asked them for directions. When they remembered that word, they stopped and said to him, oh wait, hold on, would it be okay for us to pray for you? And then that guy in the black hat just turned around in complete shock and said, I've been looking for someone to pray for me my whole life. <laughs> and that was just one of the many stories that happened. And, and as I think now as to what took place last week and also last, we were two, two weeks ago and last Thursday, that Connect group went out again. Um, I realized that it's because since the beginning of the year, we've been really focused on praying for revival. In the Kingdom Come 7.30 a.m. prayer meeting, in the prayer room, it's been full of people praying for revival. On Friday nights, we've been gathering and praying for our world, for God's Spirit to move. And I think this is just a part of what's taking place. But in the book of Acts, they always prayed for the world. And they prayed for boldness because they knew if it's going to start anywhere, it has to start with me. And it has to start with you. The next thing that they prayed for in the book of Acts, they prayed for the people around them. Whenever you read the book of Acts, you see them praying for healing. They saw the, the lame healed. They saw, the blind, they saw blind eyes open. They saw deaf ears open. They saw incredible miracles. One miracle, when Peter was in prison, they prayed for him, and an angel came and set him free from the prison. I want to let, let you know and encourage you that when, when you pray, you're praying to the King of Kings. You're praying to the one who has the power to transform any situation. So be bold and pray big prayers. The final thing that they prayed for um, was themselves. Very, very rarely would you find in the book of Acts pray, prayers for themselves. The only thing that they prayed for was for God to give them wisdom and direction on what to do. And when I look at these volcano, oh, let's say there's, there's fire now, fire, 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 fire. Is that good fire? Don't think so. When, when you look at these prayers that they did in the book of Acts, you realize why that church, why that community was able to impact the known world. But if I look at that, I'm, I'm so convicted because very often my prayers are completely the opposite. Very often I find myself most of the time praying for the things that I want. Very few times praying for the people around me, maybe sometimes if I remember, and then, and then very rarely the world. But what if, as a church, what if as a community, we decided to do this, to pray together, to pray for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven? What if we all decided to do that, to pray together? 
What if we decided to pray for miracle signs and wonders to take place again? What do you think would happen? There's so many ways that you can get involved in prayer here at HCB. There's a Kingdom Come 7.30 a.m. prayer meeting every Tuesday. This Tuesday is the last one. I wanna encourage you all to come before the summer. We'll start again in September. The prayer room's open for you to pray with your connect groups and your friends, for you guys to gather together and really pray for revival. But more than anything, at Focus is where we get to do this. At Focus, we get to be the church. At Focus, we get to be the church, the hope of the world. And it's not just us at HDB, it's churches from across the nation that we get to gather together and do just that. We get to gather under teaching, we get to break bread together, and we get to pray. I really have such a strong sense that this focus is gonna be unlike any other. I have a strong sense that as we gather together over these next few days, in about a week or so, it's gonna shift the spiritual temperature of our churches, of our cities, of our nation, and even the world. I think something powerful is gonna happen when the church comes together, when the church becomes the hope of the world. And you have a very important part to play in that because you are the church. So what do you say, church? Shall we be the church, the hope of the world? A church that obeys together, a church that stays together, and a church that prays together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.